Good morning. And welcome to our closing installment of our Summer of Psalms series, which um, I'm sure you'd agree has been a great series that we've been going through. And today we are closing with an absolute belter, Psalm 51, which is truly one of David's finest. So it's great to be doing this. Uh, quick intro, see some unfamiliar faces here to me. I'm Darren, been here for quite a few years. Uh, random fact about me, um, I love vinyl records. <laughs> yeah. None of this iPods and MP3s and whatever, no. Vinyl is the way to go for me. Um, yeah, indeed. Got some old, old timers, respectfully old timers here who are agreeing. Um, but vinyl, um, yeah, it's just, for me, it's the whole experience of getting a record, pulling it out of its sleeve, looking at the artwork, and looking at the lyrics, especially for me. I've always lo- loved song lyrics, so I always study song lyrics before I've even heard the music. That's just a habit, I still do that if I get a CD. I don't have a turntable anymore, sadly, so I have CDs, and... I'm looking at the lyrics, and of course, some of the greatest lyrics ever written are the Psalms. Some of the greatest song lyrics of all time, God-breathed lyrics. Uh, My first vinyl album, which I still have in my mum's loft somewhere, is uh, 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 The Joshua Tree by U2. And we were singing Amazing Grace Earlier on, this first song that we kicked off with this morning, a great, great set by the worship team, really setting the foundation for, for what we can talk about. And I remember an interview with uh, Bono, lead singer of U2, and they asked him, imagine it was U2's final gig. Great career, long career. Final gig, what's the last song you would ever play on that gig? So the final ever live performance. And he said, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. Now today's sermon is called Mighty Grace. Mighty Grace. But what is grace? We've been singing about it all morning. But what is it? You could say, oh, it's a five-letter word beginning with G. But then so is guilt. But grace is the opposite of guilt. Grace is the unmerited favour of God on us. It's everything that the world isn't. In a world which is full of legalism and karma, you get what you deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Takes away what we do deserve, which is punishment and death. Gives us what we don't deserve, which is the extravagant goodness of God, his mercy, his favour, his forgiveness. It's an undeserved gift. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But he gives it to us. He chooses to lavish his grace upon us. It's pretty good, isn't it? Grace, unconditional. And it's not about us, it's about him. Grace is about God, it's about his goodness. He chooses to bless his children, us, with grace. So we're going to be looking at one of David's psalms. Now David understood what grace was. In Psalm 32, he says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not hold against him. He understood that. But we're going to look at Psalm 51, which um, is a very significant psalm, as we'll look. And before we actually look at the psalm, very helpfully, this psalm gives us a little 
intro, setting the context, it says, for the director of music, so we know this was a song lyric, essentially, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So we know exactly when this psalm was written. We can, put, we can place it in 2 Samuel. So 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, I would encourage you to read those when you get some time and read them in conjunction with Psalm 51 because it sets the context and the background as to why this psalm was written. So we'll very just quickly summarise what happened in 2 Samuel which prompted David to write this psalm. So David, as we know, was the king of Israel and things were going well for him. Great king. His, his army are winning battles. He's just defeated the Ammonites. He's revered. He's respected. He is the most powerful man. And we know that he's musically gifted. We know that he can write beautifully because he's written a lot of the Psalms. We know he's handsome. Quite dislike him, really. He's, he's, he's good at everything, isn't he? We know he's brave because as, even as a, as a young man, he, he slew Goliath when nobody else would dare take him on. So he has got it all going on for him, and he's at the pinnacle. Everything is going well for him. So we're told in Samuel that it's springtime when kings traditionally are at war. He's taking some time out. He's, he's sending other people to go and fight the battles, and he's on the roof of his palace one evening. He's taking a walk, and he sees a woman on a neighbouring roof. And bearing in mind David has concubines and you know he has his pick of women but he sees this particular woman and she must have been quite something mustn't she if you just think about it he's he's got everything he wants and he sees this one woman and he's like wow I don't know if any guys here can relate to that but many many years ago so long ago when I had hair that's how long ago it was I was on a lad's holiday in northern Italy and I was walking down the street one day just casually minding my own business and I saw a girl standing outside a shop. And it was like, oh, hearts to still. Couldn't breathe. I was like, I said to my friend, can you, hey, have you, have you seen her? And he's like, who? Where? It truly is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? And um, so I said, well, there's no way I can walk down the street without actually approaching this, this girl. I have to go and talk to her. I was, I was, it was that kind of ridiculous thing. So... I approached her, no rings, she's not married. Okay, let's, let's see what happens here. But anyway, so David doesn't know who this woman is. So he sends somebody to go and find out who is she. Discovers that it's the wife of Uriah. Now, of course, Uriah is one of his respected inner circle, one of his most revered soldiers. But he knew who Uriah was, but he didn't know who Uriah's wife was. The fact that she was married to Uriah didn't seem to bother him had her sent over. And you don't refuse the king. The king sends for you. You go. So she goes to him. He has his wicked way with her. Commits adultery. She becomes pregnant. Now adultery is punishable by death in that time. He tries to hide that sin. She's pregnant with his child. He calls Uriah from the battlefront under the pretext of trying to find out how's the war going? Really, he's just trying to cover up that sin that he's done. He's hoping that Uriah will go home and sleep with his wife, Bathsheba, the lady's name, so that he can pass the child off as being Uriah's and not his own. 
That's his intention. But David, unfortunately for him, he's picked the wrong man to mess with because Uriah is very devout, very honourable, very sincere. The name Uriah means God is my light. And he's entirely trustworthy. Comes to see David, but he won't go to his own house to see his wife because he says, look, my fellow soldiers are fighting on the battlefield. They're living in tents. The Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. I'm not going to go home to my wife. How could I do such a thing? So he sleeps on the steps of David's palace. He won't go back to his house. Now, his house is right close to David's because you could see his roof from David's, from David's roof, indicating how important Uriah was, living so close to the king. So Uriah refuses to go home. So the following night, David tries to get him drunk so that he'll go home. But again, Uriah won't. He's entirely honourable. And he's behaving in a way which is completely the opposite to how David's behaving at that moment. So then David writes a death warrant, instructing the soldiers to send Uriah to the battlefront where he'll be killed. And so he's giving Uriah his own death warrant, which Uriah will take with him to the battlefront. And David knows that he's so trustworthy, he's not even going to look at that. It's heartbreaking. So Uriah goes to the, back to the battlefront, and he's killed. So David now is an adulterer, and he's now a murderer. He has had an innocent man, an honourable man, killed for the sake of his own selfish desire. So he messed messed up big time, didn't he? How far could you fall from being a great man who danced with abandon to God, who praised God, who's called a man after God's own heart, and yet he could behave like that? So this is the context of what we're looking at. And now Nathan the prophet is sent by God to confront David. God has revealed to the prophet Nathan what David has done. And David has been trying to mask the secret. Nathan tells David a parable, a story, about how a wealthy man took a poor man's ewe lamb and had it killed, and David burns with anger. David burns with anger because he can see the injustice of what's happened as an outsider. Nathan was very smart. He didn't just tell David, oh, you've, what you've done, you've sinned, you've taken another man's wife. No, he framed it in a parable. David could see it objectively, and he was convicted. Instantly, he was convicted. I have sinned against the Lord. Straight away, David doesn't, doesn't try and deny it. He's, he's convicted from within. I have sinned against the Lord. And it struck me how Nathan was used an example of a, of a lamb because knowing that David, of course, as a boy, was tending sheep. It's something that David was going to be very touched by and very moved by. So he absolutely nailed it. And David was crushed. He says, yeah, I've sinned against the Lord. But then Nathan says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. So despite all these things that David had done, Nathan had told David that the Lord had taken away his sin. That's grace, isn't it? That's grace. He's taken away what David's just punishment, which was death. And he says, you are not going to die. So he's replaced death with life. So what um, I'd like to do, Mike, we've got a, um, a couple of verses from Psalm 51 
which uh, Keith Green put music to. So we're just going to listen to this. As we do, just reflect on how David was feeling when he wrote this psalm, because he would have written the psalm right right at this moment when he has confessed his sin before the Lord. So if we play that, and then I will uh, read the whole psalm out. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Lord, as we look at this psalm and what it meant to David and what it means for us, I pray that we would get a renewed sense of your love and your mighty grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got this psalm broken down into four areas. So confess cleanse, restore, and praise. So if we look at verses one to four, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David is tormented by his sin. I know my transgressions. He's not denying what he's done here. He's confessing it. And my sin is always before me. He's crying out to God for God's mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. Has anyone ever felt that? That you've done something and you can't get it out of your mind? My sin is always before me and I know my transgression. I remember years ago I was at a party and I deliberately 
ridiculed somebody. I made a cheap joke at someone's expense just to get a few laughs and to elevate my own position within this social circle that I was in. And everyone laughed, and the guy that I kind of had ridiculed, he smiled, kind of going along with it. But I could just see the brokenness in his face when I, when I did what I did. And I was haunted by that for so long. I could not forget what I had done. I thought, how could I have, for, for no reason, had just humiliated this person on purpose, just to, just to make myself get a few, just to feel smug and get a few laughs? How callous is that? And that, the sin of what I had done there was, was before me for a long time. I could, not, I could not get this guy's face. Even, I mean, I hadn't thought about that for 20 years until I was preparing this. It came back to me. I thought, yeah, my sin was always before me for, for, after I had done that. Of course, I know that I'm forgiven of that and, you know, and I've confessed my sin. But still, we can be haunted by, by, by our past, can't we? We can, we can do something even if it's a long time ago or even recently, and it can haunt us. It can haunt us. And David is crying. He's haunted by what he's done. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. What he's done is evil in the sight of the Lord, and he knows it. He knows it, and he's confessing it. He's confessing it. So if you're feeling tormented by something that you've done, take it to God. Confess it. He already knows. You can't hide it from him. He knows. He knows. So don't be afraid. Come before the Lord. Confess it. Follow David's example and just confess what you've done. Cleanse. If we look at uh, verse 7 to 9. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. When we've done something wrong, we can feel so dirty, can't we? We can feel contaminated, polluted. Oh, I mean, David was a great man of God. You could argue, well, he's, he's clean. He's a, he's, a, he's a pure guy, but he's messed up and he feels so dirty, so filthy. You ever felt like that? I have. I definitely have. When I had my first car, it was a Talbot Horizon. Remember those? Yeah, it was, it was an awful car. You could never get it into first gear. I had to go into second gear first, then into first gear. Uh, yeah, lucky it even worked at all. You know? But I, so I had my first car, this blue Talbot Horizon, and I was driving um, in London Coney, it was, on a winter afternoon. It was a sunny afternoon, and there was some, a lot of frost around, and... I pulled out of, the, of, of, of a road and a car had kind of came to an emergency stop and beeped me for, for pulling out because I hadn't seen him. So I apologised and then the guy kind of swerved around. Then he put his brakes on and was trying to kind of intimidate me. And so, I don't know what it was. It never happened before. It's never happened since. But something just tripped in me. Just the rage that I felt. I thought, right, this guy's not going to get away with that. Bearing in mind, I had his, my Talbot Horizon, it was a 1.3, it was a very heavy, slow car. I actually had my car floored for about five miles, tailgating this guy. All around, uh, from London County to St Albans. I was absolutely livid. Furious. You, I know, I'm so, I'm so mild-mannered, and you people can't imagine that I have a temper. 
And I, I, I really do, thank goodness. But that time, I was absolutely fuming. And to my shame, I still remember how I was close enough to this guy's car. It was a red Honda Civic. And I was glaring into his rearview mirror with anger, with venom, with hatred. I don't, I don't know what I was going to do or whatever, but I was just fuming with anger. And I could see fear in the guy's eyes after a couple of months. He thought, crikey, this guy's not going to stop following me. What's he going to do? And eventually, I don't know, I, I, just, I just kind of overtook the guy and he pulled over. And I could see he'd pulled over and he'd loosened his tie and he was, I could see him and I felt... At the, at the time, I justified myself. You can always justify yourself. And you think, you know, well, you know, he's in the wrong, I'm in the right. I was right to do that. He, he will never do that again. I've taught him a lesson. He won't be intimidating other drivers on the road after that. I made an honest mistake and I apologise. But you know what? I, I felt absolutely disgusted with myself for so long after that. And again, that's something I'd forgotten about until I was preparing for this, um, this preach. I'd forgotten about that, but I, was, I felt so disgusting and so dirty. I thought, how could I... Someone so level-headed, a Christian. Oh yeah, I was. A, you know, I'd been a Christian since I was a kid, so I can't really get away with anything. You know, I've got no excuse. I didn't know better. Of course, I knew better, but I chose to allow my um, emotions and my anger to get the better of me. And I felt absolutely like I like I'd allowed some kind of filth to pollute me. That's how I felt. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. I I had to come before God and just and just God ask. Just confess it and say, God, Lord, deal with this. Cleanse me. I feel so bad. I feel so, what I've done is so evil in your sight. I have, I have shown hatred to someone I don't even know without, without real reason. Why have I done that? It's, it's disgusting. So I had to come before the Lord and just confess it and ask God to deal with that. And in this verse here, cleanse me with hyssop. The significant hyssop in, the, in um, scripture, it's a herb that was used for ceremonial cleansing. And significantly, it's what God commanded his people when, during the time of Passover, when they were applying lamb's blood to the doorposts, it was with a bunch of hyssop that they were to dip into that blood. So symbolically, it's a very powerful symbol of cleansing. So cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Only God can do that. Only God can take away your sin and transform you so, so that you are clean again. Grace is God essentially putting the, pressing the reset button and he's restoring, he's cleansing that filth and making you whiter than snow. Restore. Point three. If you look at verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. David recognises the importance of the Holy Spirit. He's messed up, and he knows that he needs the presence of the Lord. We can't live the life God intends without his presence. So even when you've messed up, come before him, confess it, invite him in. Invite him in. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. God's grace is bigger than your mistake. Whatever you've done, however badly you think you've messed up, oh, God couldn't possibly want to know me now. Oh, no, that's a lie. I don't believe that. God, always, God will always welcome you. Come before him and confess. Come to him. He will cleanse you and he will restore you. What I felt God say to me about, about this 
particular part of the psalm. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, I've been very complacent about that. Complacency is very dangerous. The joy of your salvation. You know, being saved is a reason for joy. It's a reason for jubilation and celebration. And I've, for a long time, I had the attitude, oh yeah, I'm saved, I know. Big deal. I'm saved. Great. But that's the joy that we should never lose. Complacency is a dangerous thing. Even someone like David, such a great man of God, sees an attractive woman, and look at the problems that it caused. We need to be very careful and guarded, and we need to have the Spirit with us to enable us to be shielded and to be guarded from things that could derail us. That's very important. And praise. Verses 14 and 15. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Whatever your situation, I found praise just makes everything better. Whatever you're going through, praising God makes things better. Maybe you feel that you can't praise him because you've messed up so badly. Maybe you feel that your sin is, is um, being, presenting a barrier. But David in Psalm 103 says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Just as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. So you've messed up, but guess what? God's bigger than that. God's mighty grace is bigger than any sin that you've ever done. I can safely say that none of you here, none of us have messed up as badly as David. But even if you had, or even if you'd done something much worse than David, God's grace is bigger than that. God's grace is bigger than that. There's nothing that you can do that could surprise God or scare God or change the love he has for you. I just really thought that um, guilt is not something that you're meant to carry. Allow God's grace to wash over you. And further proof of um, David's forgiveness is that the child Solomon, who was born of the union between David and Bathsheba, so the first child that was conceived in sin died, but after David and Bathsheba got married, the child Solomon was to become a great king. And in fact, he was named Jedidiah by the prophet Nathan, which means loved by God. So what was an impossible situation, an impossible beginning, God transformed that situation through the child Solomon, who is the living proof of God's forgiveness and grace. The child Solomon, who the Lord loved. And further proof of, of David, when we think of David, King David, the first thing that comes to our mind is not, not that he was a murderer or an adulterer. It's not the first thing that we think of. We think, no, he's a great man of God. The musician, the, the guy who killed Goliath, the guy who wrote the Psalms, a great and wise king, a man after God's own heart. That's how we remember David. We don't remember him. It's almost like, even though the past is the past and what he did, he did, he is still revered. He is revered as a great man of God. 
That's grace. And in Kings, 1 Kings 15, it says, For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. And let's mention about Uriah the Hittite here, because he was an innocent man and he was killed through no fault of his own. Poor Uriah, justifiably. But it's important that we remember that he is honoured. Uriah the Hittite is honoured, so much so that in Matthew 1, verse 6, he is honoured and mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. Solomon's mother, who was the wife of Uriah. You can't get much more honour than that, can you? Being mentioned in the chronology of Jesus. So God is a just God, and Uriah is honoured. And David was forgiven and washed clean. In Romans, it says, Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. He loves us. He wants to welcome us all in, whatever we've done, wherever, whatever we've been, his grace is mightier than anything that you could have done. And I want to encourage you that if you are struggling with really knowing that or accepting or believing it, how can God love me? How can God forgive me? Oh, if only he knew what I had done. He knows what you've done. He already knows and he, and he, and he loves you. He loves you and he wants to bless you. He wants to welcome you in. So if we follow David's example and we confess what we've done, we come before him, he will cleanse us. He will cleanse us. And this is the most wonderful thing to know that you are loved and forgiven. And guess what? You've messed up in the past. You're going to mess up in the future. God's grace is bigger. We're human, we're imperfect, but God is perfect and he knows us and he loves us. And grace is his wonderful, extravagant gift to us. And it never changes. We've been singing about it. It's unlimited, unrestricted, and it's a wonderful gift that we have. So embrace it and receive it. If there's anyone here who's struggling with issues of guilt, you can't forget something you've done. You can't forgive yourself, but God's forgiven you. So if God's forgiven you, come before him, worship him, allow him to cleanse you. We have um, a great ministry team here who, who would love to pray with you and stand with you in prayer if you're struggling with any issues of guilt. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, which we've been singing about. So don't leave here this morning if you're struggling with issues of guilt. Come and get some prayer because God loves you. doesn't matter how far you think you've fallen. The depths of God's love for you is greater than any depth that you could fall. So be blessed by that. And uh, please don't leave here without getting prayer if you are struggling this morning. Bless you.